0: Yeah, sit
1: in my basement. Nice. And,
0: all right, we are rolling. Yeah, we got,
2: so we have on Chris Hogan, right there. Chris Hogan, the man, the man that, we've had a lot of people, since we started interviewing athletes, people were like, yo, when is Hogan going on? When is Hogan going on? I said ah, after the season, maybe I don't know. We'll see how it goes. But we have the one and only. Well, actually, no. If you Google Chris Hogan, you don't even come up. <laughs> no, no, no bullshit. No, no bullshit, bro. I was trying. I was trying
1: I,
0: I, 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 it's a financial was, advisor that comes up, right?
2: No, I googled Chris Hogan, and like some some black dude shows up. I'm like what the fuck he's he's,
0: he's a pretty successful financial advisor i think too he's got a pretty large following on twitter
2: dude his following is huge
0: not giving out financial advice (laughs) So,
2: (laughs) so we have one of the chris hogan's uh so let me let me start this podcast off by saying i was in chris's wedding we are Well, me, me and like 12 other people, we are, (laughs) we are very close friends while simultaneously mortal enemies. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Accurate. We've, we've been to, when did you start? When was your, when were you training for your pro day? 2010. Holy shit. It was Mm -hmm. 2010.
0: Yeah. 2010. Started training for the pro day you were uh, you were assisting DeFranco at the time.
2: Holy yeah. 2010. okay yes. so so I had just gotten back from Pitt. No, 2011 2000, so you got there would you get there in December or January? Probably
0: was December.
2: okay okay Probably. yeah so it was right at the end right at the end of 2000 holy shit so I just yeah. got back I just got back from Pitt. And I was doing DeFranco's. We had the NFL combine. Who was in your combine group?
0: Oh, gosh. Dante? Dante. Was Ken- Tom? Kenny Amzell was. That's the-
1: right. <laughs> Kenny.
0: Tommy. Tommy did. Tommy went to Bomberito's and then came back and did it with us. Remember mm-hmm. the um, the tall kid from Yale? I think his name I- was Tom. Tom McCarthy. Yeah, yeah, he was in there. Uh, I feel like there was a couple other guys that kind of came came through uh Nara uh nara right wasn't oh, it his, his first name Naraw. yeah yeah we just called him raw right raw yeah he was he was in it uh I think there was a couple other people but it wasn't i yeah i think i think that was, was that it and decent, it was a decent sized group i think that was the
2: second the second or third combine class that i helped defranco with because i even started helping him when i was in college but yeah. So I, it's funny. I uh I posted that I I don't know I, I, one of the million videos that I've posted of you uh, a few years back when you were in the Super Bowl and someone commented he doesn't even train with you he trains with DeFranco so- and I was like what, the- <laughs> what what the fuck so the the story was with me and Chris and our training situation was. Joe and I had the combine group together, but how many kids were in that group?
0: There's, I mean, I'm starting to go back in my head. I mean, there was at least ten guys. I mean, there had to have been at least ten guys in that group, right? It was, it was fucking
2: big. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa! whoa. There was that kid from URI, um, that linebacker from URI. I forget his name. And there, uh, there was a defensive back from Willie P too. Was was it Lear? Yes, Lear. Yep. Okay. Dude, we had a, that was a pretty good combine group. There were, there were
0: like some guys with really good times. Yeah, there were some, fa- I mean, and we had, we had a, I think it was like a linebacker from Temple or something too, I think. I, forget his name. I don't know. We had a bunch of, we had a, We had some, I mean, they were all kind of hopefuls, but they were, we had some guys that were putting up good times. Mm-hmm.
2: And, and you ended up going to, uh, how many pro days did you have? Did you just have the one? Just one. At Fordham. Fordham, yeah, and we got it. An, and EA,
0: EA all day. Enzo Amore. <laughs> we, we got we got let in the back door at Fordham Pro Day to get in. No one that's, knew. That's
1: that's right. Because he's, no, was is, he, is he brother-in-law is Ted right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Ted Perlag. Yeah
0: yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No one even knew who we were. We showed up and we just kind of hopped into the workout.
2: <laughs> and there's and there's that video of you at like two hundred and fifteen or two hundred and twenty pounds. Pumping yep. out 225 for, for fucking like 30 reps just yeah. lockout one right after the other after the other. It was awesome. It was dude. The whole the whole room stopped when this friggin' receiver, like this no-name receiver, just came on and just fucking very quietly broke the wide receiver bench record for 225.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no one even knew what my name was. Just... Wait, is that a fucking lacrosse player? What the fuck? <laughs>
2: What was what? Do you remember your combat? Your uh, combine? You can get an invite. Your pro day numbers? We had an alleged four four, like it was like a four four eight, but also you know, <laughs> like a four five one at the same time.
0: It was like there was. I forget what you. I mean, you obviously had me slower than everyone else with your hand because you know, whatever. But <laughs> uh, yeah, you probably had me at like a four five. There were some people that had me in the low four fours, but I mean. I think what I think my the the best numbers were the the five ten five and the three cone. I think those I don't remember what those numbers were, but like those I. were like my those were like my best drills out of everything. The forty was I was just trying to get sub four five, but like mm-hmm. the the three cone and the five ten five, those were like my my two like best drills that I had.
2: Remember how windy it was that day.
0: Oh, I was freezing. Yeah, I was the like, way wind- we were going to run inside, remember? We're on like that rubber track, I probably would have ran a, you know, maybe a, well, and on your hand, a, maybe a four four. But it's like anytime we did forty training, Joe Joe would have like uh, four threes, high four threes. Mike, nah, it was four six. We <laughs> <laughs> really kept it real. Uh- Able from so,
1: how many reps did you get in the bench again?
0: Uh, twenty-eight. Nice man, dude. Nice. He
1: was strong as shit.
0: Yeah, it was oh, yeah.
1: So strong.
0: Yeah, we were. I mean, we were. That's all we did. We did, we just trained for the strength. Was that's all we did? We trained bench press yeah. and yeah, you know, we lifted heavy like legs. But it, then we trained for like we did a lot of drill work did a lot of 10 yard like starts. That's really all we did. We did like probably what maybe one or two sessions of like a full 40.
2: Yeah. We, we didn't have the facilities for it. Actually, we, we did more 40 training with your group than Joe had done in years prior because he had that deal with uh, that place overtime. Overtime. <clears throat> yeah. Where it was, I mean, we were we able to go in
0: there. Yeah. We went there a few times.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, we did, we did more 40 training with your combine group than we had done in years past. And... I, mean,
0: I think the most hysterical part of it is that I did zero skill work.
2: And then, <laughs> you know. Well, well, usually the agents are supposed to pay for that. The agents are supposed, but no one wanted to put any money in you because you were just a fucking long shot.
1: Yeah, I played lacrosse for four years. <laughs> um, so did you? Did you even play any 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 football? Yeah, I played one.
0: I played one year at Monmouth, but I played defensive back. I didn't even play receiver. <laughs>
1: right <laughs> and then what then you transferred to no where? no
0: i played i played lacrosse at penn state for four years right then had that year of eligibility left and i went to monmouth and played corner for a, a year <laughs> didn't i had 12 catches my senior my, my year at monmouth. <laughs> crazy but he would the, the guy wouldn't play you at receiver right uh, they would, they played me, but they asked me to play defense. And I was like,
1: whatever, bro. I had no
0: aspirations of playing in the NFL at that time. I was just like, I was just
1: there to play football. So I was like, sure. Why not? Isn't that wild? Why did you, why did you even bother going for that? What? Why did you go and play a year of football after like, cause you were a fucking cherry lacrosse guy, right?
0: Yeah. But there was nothing to do after college and lacrosse. Right. So I always wanted to play college football. Okay. It was like something that I always wanted to do and kind of always thought about at Penn State, but just, you know, enjoyed myself too much in the winter and spring. And um, so I had um, I had that opportunity because I had a year of eligibility. So I was like, why not? So I graduated, went to a year of grad school there, never finished it, but... <Yeah>. It worked you know, out fine. There was a mean. there, you know, I, you know, I knew what I was doing. I mean, there was a means to an end. I was there to go play football. I wanted to experience, you know, a decent level of competition.
1: Right. So then why did you then decide to train with, with Joe and, and go for a because
0: bowling? There were a few guys on our team that were going to give this a shot. And, you know, they kind of pumped it up like, Oh, you should, you know, you should try, you should train, you know, see what happens. We had a a, a guy that lived in my, um, lived in my town. I went to high school with his kids. He was, a, he was an NFL agent. Called him. He was, you know, I'll help you pretty much. It wasn't like, you know, it wasn't really anything other than that. It wasn't like, Hey, let's get you training here and do this. He's like, yeah, sure. You know, go train. <laughs> we'll see what happens and and whatnot. So I you know that to me it was like what I was 24 years old. It was either go train for with my friends for the NFL Combine or go get a real job. (laughs) And I'm I was lucky enough to you know my parents were always very supportive of me and and what I want to do. But you know they never were like ha you're insane. I mean my dad might have thought that, but um, he never told me to my face. And, uh, you know, they kind of let me live this out. but it And it just kind of ended up, you know, getting more and more real after that pro day.
1: Right. And before that, did you, I mean, I get that you, it was a, a cooler option for you to do, but did you have in the back of your head, did you think I've got a chance here or did you, was you not even there in your head? Did you believe it or not?
0: Yeah, of course I did. I mean, uh, to me, I mean, I think, I feel like you know me well enough, but Mike definitely knows me well enough that I feel like I'm better at everything than everybody.
1: <laughs> no, sure.
0: <laughs> I know,
1: I know, I know how big of a prick you are too. <laughs> like but No one else listening might do, so, so I'm trying I to get think, <laughs> I think for me it was like,
0: athletically, I feel like I could, I could have, I could do it, right? You know, like, I feel like, there wasn't anything that these guys that I watched on Sundays could do that I couldn't do. I think Mm. the biggest thing for me was, you know, I I haven't played a lot of football. I had to learn how to, there was a lot for me that I had to learn, but that kind of all started when I got into the league. You know, it was really, once I got in the door and my first experience, you know, with an actual NFL training camp, I was, I was done. I knew I could, I knew I belonged there. I knew I could do it you know, it was just all about opportunities. And I was very fortunate to get a lot of opportunities.
1: Right. So then after the pro day, where did, cause you went somewhere for just a year before the whole stuff with Miami come about, right?
0: Yeah. So after the pro day was the year of the lockout. So th- that year was a total crap shoot, you know, it was like go to the pro day. And then after that, it's like, okay, you're probably not going to hear for us for five months because you guys, the whole the CBA was in a lockout. You know, we didn't even know if there was going to be a season. Um, so that August, I ended up getting a call from San Francisco, and that was my first opportunity. So I went out to the 49ers, went out to training camp with them. Um, didn't last very long. Ended up getting hurt. I was there for like three weeks, played in one preseason game. Um, came home, healed up pretty quickly, went to the Giants for – you know, a coffee break and, <laughs> you know, and then uh, that, the end of that year, I went to Miami. Um, and that was like my longest stint after that, you know, spent the whole off season with them training camp, 7-Eleven, whole thing, you know, that was like kind of like the year that I kind of made a name for myself, even though I still ended up getting cut anyways.
1: yeah, <laughs> Which was crazy. Yeah, It was crazy. They made you such a part of, I can't remember everything, but I definitely remember at least one episode where they really kept going into you the whole time. So I mean, it was like
0: the, the um, the Hard Knocks was really built on like those underdog stories. Um, And, uh, you know, I ended up being, you know, I had a really good training camp um, and ended up, you know, getting the nickname and whatnot. So it was like, it was a good story, but, you know, didn't, Didn't really help me out much, I guess. (laughs) I I don't know. No, I I disagree. No, that –
1: Yeah.
0: Everywhere I went after that, everyone called me 7-Eleven instead of my actual name. (laughs) Like, when I went to – when I finally got to Buffalo after I got cut, I'm pretty sure most people just called me 7-Eleven and didn't bother to learn my first name. You know, whether – who knew, you know, in the NFL, not for long, you know. I could have been here for – you know, a few days. I and, mean, if you, you know, people don't really invest time into learning people's first names if they if you have a nickname. It's <laughs> <laughs> <That's> rude.
1: <laughs> so, so then, what? what? On, oh, go after go. After that, what, what, what? I can't remember because when we met, we met what in 2012. God, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was the yeah. year. It was the London Olympic year. That was the year I was over there for a while with you guys. I'm yes, trying to is. think.
0: I guess I was, yeah, I was in, I was in Buffalo at that time. That was my first year in Buffalo. Yeah.
1: And then after Buffalo, how long was you there for? And then where did you go afterwards?
0: I was there for four years.
1: right Holy
0: shit. Yep. Played in Buffalo for four years. I, you know, played special teams for a year. Next year, worked my way into the offense a little bit. Following year, I was starting. Last year, I was starting. And then after that, went to New England and so on and so on you know new england obviously was my most successful stint i was there for three years and you know Mm -hmm. then played another year in carolina and you know this past year with the jets but i would say buffalo and buffalo new england were like the years that i really solidified myself you know in the nfl you know that i could play so
2: yeah uh, going back on why one of the reasons why i think Really, everyone believed in Chris. One thing DeFranco is really good at is talent identification. I mean, if he says this guy can play, when it comes to football, I believe every word of it. Um, and I, I remember I, when, when Chris came in, I was like, I, I, I had known of Chris. We didn't know each other, I don't think. Uh, but I had
0: known of him. Yeah, we had, had trained. I mean, like we were in the gym, you know, because I trained in high school with Joe. Yeah, I, I I knew who you were. Oh, oh shit! I never knew that. Yeah, okay. yeah. yeah. So I trained with Joe in high school.
2: Yeah, Chris and I. Chris, you're thirty four.
0: Gonna be there I'm thirty
2: three. So I'm I'm two years I'm two years old of, older than him, but one year ahead of him. So I was a senior. He was a junior. And I remember him being in and out of DeFranco's, but I had no idea the level of athlete Chris was. And DeFranco flat out said, "He goes, yo, listen." If this kid gets a fucking chance, he'll be another Miles Austin. Flat out, he said that. He was like, Mom, if small school kid, I'm telling you, this kid is an incredible fucking athlete. If someone gives him a chance, he will not let them down. So after that, I was like, okay, time to invest some time and effort into this guy. <laughs> you know, but- Break out I mean- the <laughs> metronome.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: so that, I, I used to bring a metronome- To the gym it was before you had apps on your phone i brought a metronome and i hooked it up to the sound system at the gym and it would just be
0: boom 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 boom
2: and we had to teach chris how to do an a skip he had no how long did it take oh
0: it didn't take it took me all of five minutes bullshit (laughs) bullshit bullshit (laughs) that's how i remember it (laughs) It, dude it, took it didn't take while. me very long let's it, be honest it took a while
2: for the a skip to solidify it took a while but we had to break it down jump up uh, what was it jump on one land on two jump on one land on two every single but i mean we wasted it realistically we wasted time fucking doing that
0: yeah, because, but it helped i mean i my you know my running form was a disaster Wait. <laughs> Still isn't <a> disaster. <laughs> it's your
2: it's, work in progress you got that you got that hunch yeah. <laughs> but so so going back how chris and i ended up training exclusively together where it was me and me and joe ran the combine crew together and i was a breath of fresh air to joe because now he didn't have to do everything and fuck himself i mean before it was just joe so what i would do is prior to the workout sessions or prior to the weekly workouts, I'd have everyone do like a couple of exercises and I'd identify injuries or Mm -hmm. things that I thought were predictors of injuries. And I'd say, all right, you're with me today. You're with me today. You're with me today. And we break them up into two groups. So Chris just kept getting paired with me because there was always something fucking, I mean, this kid is max effort. Like I need to protect Chris from him fucking self as frequently as possible. Because especially early on when he was younger, he's just a motherfucker. He just wants to keep going and going and going, and that wasn't my, my best score. I gotta get my best score. I gotta get my best score. I gotta get my best score every single time. So, I mean, you were always tweaking stuff, and then finally it came to the point where you're like, "Well, I'm just tired of tweaking stuff. I'm just not going to leave your group." And then you never fucking did.
0: Well, I well I do remember like when we were we were, Joe, Joe had a really big group. And especially in the summer, <laughs> he took on a ton of guys. And I remember it was me and Sonoris. Mm-hmm. Sonoris was training. And the two of us, start. I linked with him, obviously, because I was just obsessed with asking him questions about how to play in the NFL. And, so Sonoris and Sonoris Moss for
2: everyone listening, by the way.
0: Yeah, so like me and Sonoris, I would do drills with Sonoris after. And, you know, the two of us then eventually were like, you know, this, you know, really not getting – you know, what we want out of this huge group. So then we just gravitated towards Mike and we started training with Mike exclusively. And honestly, that's really all she wrote after that. I've been with Mike ever since. And, you know, for me, it was, I think I, I, you know, Mike and I have had our, 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 <laughs> our differences, but like I, I did quickly realize that my issue wasn't ever in lifting or like learning like strength it was more like I needed to learn how to run properly and I needed to do things that were going to let me be able to do that and you know lifting with 300 pound lineman and Brian Cushing was you know that's not what I that's not what I needed at the time although it you know it got me noticed that all these you know the pro days and all that kind of stuff and and like Joe did an incredible job of prepping us for that kind of stuff Afterwards, it was really more about like trying to fine tune like all of my mechanics so that you know I really became you know tried to be a better football player and not get hurt in the process. And um, you know I I I, uh, I noticed that with Mike. I mean, Mike was still super young, and but like he was you know really good at identifying people's weaknesses, and uh, I thought that was pretty unique when we, when, you know, even as much of a jerk off as he was when he was a little bit younger. (laughs) But When he was
1: younger? (laughs) 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 He's,
0: he's mature. He's matured a little bit. I mean, but I mean, let's, let's, I mean, yeah, I mean, you're, you're you're not wrong. I mean, I think he's mature. He's found out how how to speak to people, but... Not come off as, you know, a complete ass. I mean, in his uh, in his younger days, it was just like no filter. See you later. You suck at this. You probably need to get better, or you're never gonna go anywhere in life. Like, all right, thanks. (laughs) I guess I'll train with that
1: guy.
2: (laughs) Remember, remember James Gardner. Yeah. So Gardner, Gardner comes by my gym every now and then, and he walked in and he saw me just what i would consider essentially crucifying one of my kids and gardner looks at them and says you think that's bad this is fucking nice this is really he's
0: he's mellowed (laughs) (laughs) we could sit here and tell stories for days i mean mike and i have had we've had our battles brooker brooker was there for one of them i've (laughs) seen
1: you two have a fight yeah yeah
0: my, I, I've always, the thing, the thing with me is, and I've seen, I've seen how Mike coaches people and a lot of what people do is they, they, they believe him. I mean, like he's extremely smart and they just, but I've never, I don't ever see a lot of guys question him. And like, that was my biggest thing is I always asked, why are we doing this? Mm-hmm. And it was like, to Mike, it was probably obnoxious because it was just, hey, no. we're gonna do this. why are we doing this? Hey Mike, we're gonna. All right, do your tempos, Mike. Why do I have to do tempos every single day? Like, and then it was like, you know, he'd probably explain it to me at nauseum, and then it would like turn into a fistfight. But you know, that's... no, you you prick. It was it was. Why
2: why do I gotta do that? It wasn't like, <laughs> oh, Mike, I'd like to. I, I'm inquiring as to why we're doing this. Like, you, you're coming off like why you were you were this innocent guy just trying to get no, information. No, 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 no. Like, no, no, I'm not fucking doing that.
0: <laughs> yeah but i always but i always ended up doing it though no matter what <laughs> yeah i mean i, I i'm i not trying to make myself sound like i was so nice about it i probably was more of a prick about it but you know
1: so oh look at that dog there look at oh you.
2: dude that dog is fucking huge
1: wow what is that a great dank yeah that's nice no, Oh, the
2: dog is humongous he's such a good dog yeah he's a good boy so chris and i were on the phone a couple of weeks ago no shit it might be two months ago i was still in the school at this point and i was i was on my way i was sitting in the car waiting to go to school and I, I couldn't get off the phone with him about this because he was making such good points and we were discussing the duration of his career hmm and one of the things he said was, and and y- you may not want me to say this, I don't know, but he said, I still feel like I haven't fucking done anything yet. Like there's this chip on my fucking shoulder, this voice in the back of my head that just keeps telling me, I haven't fucking done anything yet. I haven't accomplished anything. Two Super Bowls, three Super Bowl appearances, 10 years in the NFL yet? Yep. 10 years in the NFL when Crazy. he wasn't supposed to be in the NFL. And even this motherfucker still thinks that he's just not good enough. Right. And I say, <laughs> no bullshit. I have chills now talking about that conversation because with all your, you're a goal. Right. Like people, I remember, dude, being in this facility. I remember when you started blowing up, a kid said, Throw me the ball. I want to be Chris Hogan. I was like, holy fuck. Did I just hear that? Did I just fucking hear that? I was like, holy shit. That was so cool. And I remember I asked um, these, a group of kids, I had a bunch of kids ask me like, oh my God, do you train Chris Hogan? Do you train Chris Hogan? I said, yes, I do. Oh my God, you train Brandon Marshall. And then I said, yes, I do. Oh, Chris Hogan's way better than Brandon Marshall. Way better than Brandon Marshall. Like they- do you
1: remember we used to ask the kids, who do you prefer? Who's a better player? Like Chris or these other guys, you know? Yeah. yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. They, dude.
1: They all, you,
2: you are, a, you were a standard at one point. You were a goal. Like, holy fuck, this is who we want to be. And you don't think you've accomplished anything.
0: Yeah, it's just, for, when I was like growing up, like as an athlete, for whatever reason, no matter where I was, like in high school, I dominated every single sport that I did, but always felt like I could do more, you know. Mm-hmm. And then I think um, this like this chip that got like created in my mind, mo- like on my shoulder, that just firmly has implanted itself here that i can't get rid of was the first time that i got cut and i never have been cut from anything in my life and the first time i got cut was in san francisco it was kind of like a it was like it happened so fast i was there for two weeks i got hurt the writing was on the wall for me i'm like all right probably not gonna make it through this camp but like Once that happened, it was, like, I cannot stop until I accomplish, like, what I want to accomplish in this league. But, like, even after, you know, playing with New England, even after playing in Buffalo, you know, and every single year in Buffalo, they tried – and I love that organization because they gave me my first shot. They tried to get me out of there every single year. (laughs) I I was on the cut block every single year no matter what I did for that team, because they always tried. I mean, this, that's the story of the NFL, right? You're bringing in a fresh crop of younger guys that are supposed to take your job. And I would always take that personally. And I always used to tell these kids, like, that come into the NFL, like, this is your job. This is your profession. But you have to understand, like, every single person in that room, like, you're trying to take their job. Like you're trying to take money off from them, you're trying to take food off the table for their families, like all that kind of stuff. And and uh, for me, it was always about like trying to just outdo every single person. I didn't care who it was or where I was at. And um, even after everything, even after ten years in the NFL, I can't get rid of this fucking shit on my shoulder.
1: <laughs> yeah, but it's the blessing and the curse, man. It, it is the have, you to like, be good,
0: uh, but that's like you know, like I'm sitting at home now and I'm and, and thinking about like what I want to do after football, like whenever this is all done. And, you know, I can't just like sit here and, and not do anything. Like I just want to do something and be good at it. Mm. And I want to find, you know, and I still have, you know, I'm still, that's a work in progress. It probably will be for, for a while. But, um, you know, we, that's what we said. You know, I believe we said that on the phone when we were talking about it. You're like this, that's like, you know, that's, it's the best thing that you have, you know, and that's probably what's that's probably what kind of drove me through this whole career because it was up and down and, oh, yeah. um, you know, battling through different things, different, you know, injuries. And, you know, I, you know, I was always in my own head. And I remember when I was younger, I used to count the amount, all right, we're going to, we got 12 guys in camp. We're going to keep six guys. You know, these four guys are definitely going to be in there. So I got to beat out these two guys. And I was like obsessed with all this stuff. And, oh, man, I I didn't sleep. I would never sleep. I'd be so stressed out. I would never sleep. You know, for the first four years of my career, I'd be like worried about every single Tuesday. I'd be worried if I was going to get cut. I'd show up at like 6 a.m. on Tuesdays just sitting in my locker just waiting for people to come get me. You know, no matter what, no matter where I was at. Yeah, I did that in New England. Still did it in New England. Won a Super Bowl. Came back. Still thought I was going to get cut. <laughs> and like, I think that you know, at at the end of the day, that's really what kept me in the league for as long as I was. Mm-hmm. You know, and you know, not not to mention, you know, I would just call Mike, and Mike would level me out if I if I needed it. But you know, I I just had a, a I've always had a desire to prove people wrong and it's just never gone away. Probably never will. So that
1: little chip on your shoulder, is there there ever been times where it felt fulfilled or it went quiet?
0: I think after there was a moment after that first Super Bowl, um, you know, that I had played a pretty big part in that year, you know, played well in the Super Bowl, came home, you know cloud nine right i mean you just won a super bowl you have to go there two months later i had my 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 twins with um chase and parker who are you know they're three now and i think i had a moment where i was like i had done it you know and then it quickly went away and it came back (laughs) (laughs) then you had your first training session back yeah, and I'm telling you how yeah. much and it I, sucked. Yeah, then I, yeah. <laughs> then I came and saw Mike and my chip quickly, quickly came back. But um, that was probably, you know, I mean, and this is not a bad thing, but Mike 100% kept that chip there. 100%. And I, and I, And again, this is not a bad thing. But I just, I always remember it's like every single off season after the season would end, you know, when I was in Buffalo, I used to I used to what take like maybe a week off. I, I would come back pretty quickly. Yeah. As I got a little bit older and started having kids and whatnot, it was like you know after that first Super Bowl, you know I think Mike, you know he let it cool off a little bit. It's probably like you know two you know a week or two after the parade. I'm you know probably still partying with my friends, you know, and living this or maybe maybe not. I was I had twins at the time, so I probably wasn't sleeping, but when are you coming back in the gym? When are you coming back? Like you need to start training. You need to start prepping for this year. You need to start doing this. I'm like, God damn, like, like, let me live a little bit. But it's like that chip, it it always used to like it, that drove, Mike used to drive me to be like, all right, I need to be doing this. Like, this is what, this is what got me to where I'm at. Mike got me to, you know, got me to where I'm at, you know, doing this with him. And I would feel bad if I didn't go to the gym with him. <laughs> and it would give me major anxiety <laughs> if I didn't get to see him enough. <laughs> and I, and I don't think that was a bad thing. Cause at the end of the day, like I, what I knew what was best for me was training with Mike and like being in the gym and doing what I needed to do. Because if I didn't like it just things would go South, you know, sure. cause like training by myself or doing anything, you know, was never really the path that I could have been on because, you know, I can call Mike with an issue and Mike would have it fixed in a day, you know, and he'd do it over the phone sometimes Mm -hmm. without even putting his hands on me. And I think that's, that's something that you don't just don't, it's, it's unique. I don't think you really find that in, in, uh, in trainers very often.
2: Bro, you you remember when you were in Buffalo and you threw out your back? Yeah, we were on the phone for an hour. Yeah, dude. and I was sitting there walking you through all the fucking exercises you had to do. The I think he had to do the same thing for two hours.
0: Yeah, I I actually do. I I vividly remember that. I kids do remember
2: that. kids would always ask me when when you would come to the gym. They'd say, "What's it like to be Chris Hogan? Like to be in the NFL? That must be so cool." I said honestly. It fucking sucks. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's like, you don't know when your next paycheck is coming because you could get cut at any minute. You stay in your room and you pl- you dip and you play fucking video games all night long because if you go out, you're just going to do something stupid so you fucking stay in the fucking house so you could get the proper recovery. And then you're getting the shit kicked out of you every single day. Dude, so, I remember the... Uh, remember the... Uh, remember the uh, yardage that we were, we were shown with the GPS and you were running like 5,000 intensive
0: yards daily or yeah.
2: something stupid like that. I was like, what?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, pre- I mean, for my whole career, I, I, I like majority of the time during the season, like after practice, all I did was recover. Cause I knew like I had to, I didn't spend any time. I mean, like, you know, I was living, me and Ashley, my wife, we, we lived apart from each other. So know she was always she was in med school and residency and you know now is out and has her own practice but like when i would go home all i would do was recover i wouldn't go out i wouldn't do anything i'd sit i'd sit at home and recover because that's literally was my life because i just didn't i couldn't like just throw it together every single day roll out of bed and go to practice like I'd roll out of bed at four o'clock in the morning so that I could be at the facility at five so that I could stretch and roll out for, you know, two hours before we even started our day. Like that's, that was my life. And that's what I had to do to play in the NFL. And, you know, I loved it. It was a grind, but I, you know, it's, there's so much more that goes into, you know, playing at that level and every single year I kind of got, you know, smarter and smarter with, you know, how to recover and, you know, actually, you know, spend the money and, you know, get massages and go get body work and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, for the big part of my career, you know, I got a massage, but Jody would give me a massage. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Every once in a month, maybe. And Mike would make me do it. You know, it's like those types of things I just didn't invest time into. And it just, you know, as you get, as I got older, it just, that's all that you care about is feeling good throughout the week and on
1: Sundays. What was your, what was your sort of go-tos then? What kept you healthy? What was you doing? Was you, so, I mean, when I was in Buffalo,
0: I think the, the, the biggest thing for me was every single year I lost weight. Like when I started, I started at like, when I went to Buffalo, I was probably about 215, maybe a little bit heavier. Um, And I think I've I've found that I needed to be – I needed to eat better. You know, I wasn't 23 years old, 20 years old. I couldn't just wake up and eat a freaking Pop-Tart and then be (laughs) okay with it, you know. And But that's, like, the sort of thing that I just didn't – I never realized that growing up. In college, I'd go eat Panda Express and then go play a lacrosse game. You know, like it just didn't, I never, no one ever told me, you know, and I just didn't invest the time into it either, but I was just, wasn't educated on nutrition. And I think once I, when I was in Buffalo and after my first year, I started investing the time into like, all right, I need to eat better. I need to lose a little bit of weight. And so every single year I, I dropped about I don't know, three, four pounds, probably got to about two or five and, um, that was like my playing weight at like 205. That's where I, I felt the best. So nutrition became a thing. Um, you know, I, I would ask Mike, oh, Mike, yeah, you? you know, protein, vegetables, chicken, steak, like don't eat like crap, don't drink. All right, great. Thanks. <laughs> but um, I that's always that's something that I started taking seriously. And then the body work. I responded, my body responded super well to massages. I was an ice tub guy for a little bit of my, you know, for the first part of my career, but really got away from that. Once I got up to uh, Boston, just started getting a ton of body work and was just ad nauseum, just trying to stay on top of that because that's the way that I knew I had to do that to play. Mm-hmm. And, um, You know, if something started acting up, you know, Mike, did you do your bandage stretches? No, I'm not doing my bandage stretches. Do your bandage stretches. And I felt great. You know, so these are the little things, I had like a a recipe, right? I I put it all together. I had to eat. I I couldn't eat like crap or I I just wouldn't, my body wouldn't respond to it. I had the stretch and the stretching routine that Mike always had me on really always made me feel the best. And I had to do, and I had to do hours of body work, you know, to be able to, practice <laughs> we're not even talking about playing just a practice yeah. so it was um but like everything all that kind of stuff it was i i enjoyed it was tedious stuff but it was you know i was able if, if it helped me play better and help me feel good on sundays that's really all i cared about
1: you were trying to be as professional as you could i guess
0: yeah right. and, and i learned through, you know i had there was guys along the way that i learned from and you see guys that I played with in Buffalo. You you know you see how they take care of their bodies. And then obviously you know you go to Boston and you know the epitome of of nutrition and and taking care of yourself is Tom Brady. I mean the guy's forty three years old. He's going to his fifteenth NFC you know you know championship league championship game. And I learned a lot from him and, and the way that he does things and. Um, you know, you kind of piece these things together and you look at different guys and what they do to make sure that they stayed in the league for as long as they can. And you just try to make that stuff work for yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, you see a lot of these young guys that just don't take care of themselves and they're the ones that are pulling hamstrings and hurting themselves. And it's usually not contact injuries. We're talking about soft tissue injuries. To this day, I have not had a soft tissue injury to this day. And a lot of that is attributed to who I train with and what I do, you know, in the off season and, and all the preparation. But, like, I've never had a hamstring. Maybe one, but I didn't miss a game. Mm-hmm. And that was in the – and That playoffs. was, that was yeah. playoffs with the Patriots. Yep. And it was, like, a funky um, – running a route and my, I got like way overextended and like all out of sorts. And it just, my hamstring kind of caught a little bit, never missed a game.
2: Uh, well, also too, one of the reasons for that was you hadn't played special teams all year. Then, yeah. then they put you on special teams practice, load volume the fuck out of you, and then have you do it in the game. And you wonder why you blow your hammy. So it was just, it was acute overload. Like that's all that was. Yeah. I remember that. I was fucking, I was calling everyone and their mother. I was sitting there like, all right, what the fuck do I have to do to fucking learn about this hamstring shit that I don't already know?
0: (laughs) Yeah. But I mean, other than that, all my other, the stuff that I had was just unavoidable. NFL, I mean, injuries are going to happen. Contact's going to happen. But soft tissue wise, never had a problem. You know, and I think that's really attributed to the prep that we've done for the last 10 years leading up to these seasons because I was always ready to go in training camp I never had anything happen in training camp never had anything happen during the season um, you know usually went in pretty prepared you know and we can talk about this story let's bring this up <laughs> this, is, this is perfect timing <clears throat> so I'm was I in Buffalo? Was I in the? I don't know what you're talking about yet. So I got. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's too many of them. <laughs> so, anyway, I, I think I was I think I was still in Buffalo, and I was just like obsessed with being in shape, and it was like freaking February. <laughs> and I always I, I might it, it was like pulling teeth to get me to do these tempo runs, pulling teeth every single day. I knew I had to walk in there, and I knew I had to do tempos, and it was like. How in the world can I get out of doing these? (laughs) I, I would still do them, but would bitch and complain about it the entire time. So there was one year that I was obsessed with being in better shape. I'd go home and I would run like long distance. And then like, and the story that I'm getting to is we were doing sprints and I wanted to do gassers. And Mike's like, no, you're not doing gassers. Like you don't need to do gassers. And I was like, in my brain, I was like, yes, I have to do these. Ga- I have to go back. Like that was our run test. I want to be able to do these gassers like and blow everybody out of the water. So we finished our sprint work. Mike, Mike walks back in the gym. I start doing gassers, <laughs> right? He comes back out. And it was a disaster. (laughs) It was bad. It was really bad. I'm not going to get into all the details, but he pretty much told me to leave the gym and go train at Parisi's. (laughs) And I'm not a, you know, I'm a pretty stubborn person. So I said, okay. I pretty much, I left the gym that day, started calling people at Parisi. So I'm like, a- I'm hang going. on. I
1: think I was there. No, I'm going to train.
0: I'm going to train here. I knew a kid that worked out there. I was texting him. I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm coming there. I'm done with, I'm done with this place. I need it. I'm coming here. Da-da-da. I got home. I was living in Long Island at the time. Furious. I probably talked to Ashley. She probably talked me off a ledge and probably was like, you're an idiot. And eventually once I, you know, had, you know, came to terms with how stupid I was, you know, I had to call and do the whole apology thing and whatnot. And it was bad, but that was like one of the many instances of like how much of a jerk I was when I trained with Mike, but also it was a, it, one of those things that Mike was just very good at dealing with all types of athletes. I was probably one of his tougher ones that he had to deal with. But I always came back to him and was like, You're right. I'm wrong. Like, I'm going to have to, I'll do what you want me to do because you're not going to send, you've never sent me to training camp out of shape. And I don't think you're going to start now. So I stopped all the running, (laughs) stopped all the running, stopped running altogether. I did whatever, I did whatever was that. That was a bad day. That was a bad day. That was not a good day. Dark, dark day, dark day in the goodango Hogan relationship.
2: <laughs> I, bro, I remember that. So we were still at the Franco's, but we came to the facility I am currently at. Yes, we came to the and we were running back and forth. We were doing our. I think we were doing flying sprints at that point. And yeah, yeah, bro, we were
0: doing some sort of sprint. Yeah.
2: Yep, and it was Tradd was there. Dude, yep. I remember. We're I talking. had the. I went to the gym to borrow and a that med was, ball.
0: Justin. Mind you, Justin had just started training with you too. So he had no idea. Like he had nothing to say either. He, he didn't have to quit yeah. the thing go down.
2: <laughs> I had the med ball in my hand. And then I watched you do the fucking half gassers. And I was like, that's it, cocksucker. I'm full! get tired of this shit and i fucking like threw the med ball in the air i was like train your fucking self yeah. <laughs> but but at that point i didn't tell you to go to parisi's that wasn't the day i told you to go to parisi's um, i told um, that I, I, I told myself i was going there. <laughs> i told you to go to parisi's when brooker was there in 2012 and we were, we had these drills. I had everyone doing like running drills or something. And, and you were being, you were, you were just being a twat. And and I, I was like this motherfucker. Like he's disruptive. He doesn't want to do what he's supposed to fucking do. Like, what the fuck was he? A fucking five-year-old? I was so pissed. But I, I yell at you all the time. And you, it just pisses you off. and makes you be an asshole for, even more. So I pulled you outside. And I looked at you and I said, very calmly, I said, Chris, I don't need this aggravation. Like I... I have Chris Hogan on my resume. That's great. Next. Like, I, I can, I, I just can't do this anymore.
0: That was one of the more fur- furious things, like, infuriating things that I've ever had to deal with with Mike was the way that he handled, like, disagreements. He never yelled. <laughs> he never, like, got upset. It was just like, it's okay. <laughs> you can go train yourself. okay I'm gonna be okay I'm like in my head like bombs are going off like what is this guy talking about like how are you talking to me like this so calmly you're like telling me to like leave your gym and go train somewhere else and like but that was just he I mean whether he did that with everybody else but he knew how to get through to me and that was (laughs) more than enough (laughs) and you know I've I've seen a lot of athletes come through Mike's gym and how he handles it. And he's very to the point and almost, you know, at fault probably, but every single athlete does what he asks, no matter what. And you can, like, I watch these videos, man. And it's like, these kids are just perfect running form thumbs to nose thumbs to nose thumbs to nose and it's like that's respect that's respect man and like as much as i'm a i'm a dickhead to mike as a trainer there's no one in the world that i would ever tell anyone else to go train with and i've when i had the jets when i was at the jets i'm like guys if you guys are in the off season go train with this guy like, he's a little bit weird looking, and, you know, he's got the whole beard and, you know, wears ripped clothes and shoes that he's been wearing for the last 15 years. that have no soles on them anymore, and his hair is down to, you know, his ankles, but, like, I'm telling you, if you guys want to, like, I've always, I've always preached freak strength and Mike Godango I, these are the first times that I'm ever telling these sort of stories to anybody. <laughs> these <laughs> these were all confidential, <laughs> you know, but Mike and I had a pretty good thing. For a yeah. Long.
1: And, you know, it's been interesting also as like a bystander to it. Cause you know, seeing Mike progress too. And I mean, of course he's helped you without a question of a doubt, but you've also helped him out too massively. And, you know, you were one of his, you know, little protégés at the beginning. I mean, you were not meant to make it at all and you were experimenting a lot lot of different things and, you know, I know it goes two ways because, I mean, nothing would ever piss him off more than when you were started saying, oh, I'm going to go and do this. I'm going to go and train this by myself or I'm going to go and get this work done at this place. And he'd be furious, like, he'll call me back next week and he'll be wanting to come in, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Every fucking time he wants to go there and do this and he thinks it's better there, but then he'll, he'll come back. <laughs> <laughs> and I always did come back.
0: Yeah. I always did. I really did. I mean, I always like, it always, it, I mean, Mike's always been like, he's uh, the the most unique thing that I've always thought about training with Mike was just how much he took the time to learn. how much he would read and read and learn and learn and learn and like in the beginning part of my career i had i went to like these other physical therapy places and got worked on and spent the time and the money to go like do this and that and it would take 50 sessions for me to feel better and it's gotten to the point i come i can see mike for a session and he's the, the, the knowledge that he's accrued over the last 10 years on top now that he's doing is like, what, like, what do you need? What else do you need? Mm-hmm. You know, like from a rehab perspective to a strength and condition, like, it's like, it's all pocketed into one. And um, that's like an invaluable thing as, as an athlete and in, in how I view things. I can go, I, I, there's no one in the world. Like I, Mike's made, he's, screwed me, you know, I can't go anywhere else because everyone else stinks. (laughs) (laughs) I I know what I should be doing. Why are you making me do all this? Why are you making me squat? I can't squat. That's not what I do. Mm -hmm. I'm going to do my single leg and my centrics and my jumps. And yeah, it might, it might be funky and you've never done any of this shit before, but like, this is what works. And this is what's kept me in the league for 10 years. And uh, it's just so funny to me. You know, I look at all these, you know, I've been around a lot of strength coaches and they just, no one puts in, you know, it's tough to put in the time that Mike doesn't. It's hard to get that, that one-on-one, you know, with your, with your strength coach and for him to put as much time as he does into every single person that's in that gym, it's unique. Very i easy. think
1: it's nearly impossible mate for those guys that are running those big programs i mean for you to try and stretch yourself out and build a good relationship yeah. with them all it's crazy but and you, i mean you, what you mean, makes you a mike special is also the it's the 10 years together yeah
0: sure absolutely dude th- th- think it's
1: about just, how our program together has evolved too i mean
0: well i mean there, it's, there, it's evolved every single year
2: We've there there was a span of like three four years maybe even longer where we didn't do any jumps we couldn't because you're like, it hurts my feet, it hurts my ankles.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We, yeah, we didn't, I mean, the, the jumping probably got, you know, we started doing a lot more of that probably when I got to like New England mm-hmm. and that kind of stuff. I remember, I mean, shoot, remember we used to do jumps, like <clears throat> yep on into that foam, like Yeah, the foam pit it you know, we, that's where we started. Cause like, <laughs> I, you know, I had, to, you know, it's such, and again, like I was just, I was too heavy. You know, I was 215, I, shoot, I was probably 220 at one point. And once I got down to the weight that I should be at and and that I felt good playing at, like we were able to accomplish so much more like in, in our training and like the explosiveness. I mean, there's no doubt in my mind that I got faster. You know, and I don't know at what point it was, but it was probably like my third year in Buffalo that I went back and I was like, came back and like all the coaches were like what the hell have you been doing and that's the you know one of those years that i invested a shit ton of time with mike (laughs) you know was in there at probably 6 a.m and didn't leave his gym until one
1: yeah and
0: a lot of that time was us arguing and and (laughs) coaching but like (laughs) The other 95% of it was us just training. And we just trained for that period of time, whether it was my recovery or, you know, it was just working on what I needed to work on to get better at. And we always, we would come back and you'd always ask me, like, what do you, like, what's, what's your goal? Mm -hmm. Like, what do you need to be better at? And I always wanted to be faster. And that was like, but like, I started to get to, I want my first step you know, I want to be a little bit quicker. I want to be a little bit more explosive. And that's what we tailored our workouts to.
2: Yeah. I, I you know, I, I had a Twitter discussion. I'm, I'm starting to go on Twitter a little bit more here and there. And this guy had said, if your workouts are longer than 90 minutes, you're, you're wasting your time. And I said, I would beg to differ. Now he was talking about the general population and I'm so fucking autistic that, you know, I, I forget that there's other people outside of my fucking world. And <clears throat> I, it, the first thing he said, the first thing that came to mind when he, when he wrote that was, well, that's funny because it takes Hogan literally an hour before he even gets onto my table.
0: Well, that's, that's, that's nice of you, but it's probably more like two. yeah
2: right like you come in you do all your rolling shit then you fucking do your banded stretches and all that shit and then you go through some of the warm-up and then you're like oh this is tight time for the table and the table alone is 30 minutes and then you go back and we do more warm-up and then we get sprint work and that can take up to an hour and then maybe we'll do some plyos and some fucking med ball throws right it's our workouts, our workouts take fucking
0: forever sometimes. Yeah. I mean they were, I mean, average, probably three hours. I, mean, I was in there for three hours working. Yeah. You know, I mean, but that's really what, you know, I mean, the workouts that we were, were doing, like it, it needed to happen.
2: Mm-hmm. I
0: needed to do my stretches. I needed to, to get worked on a table because I did have a lot of deficiencies, like, Every single year, now nah, your are Shot, like every year, no matter what. And that a lot of it was like the, just the pure volume of stuff that I would yeah. do the season. You know, I would just get fatigued by the end of the year. You know, it just, you could tell, you know, things just started to kind of go. And I think the biggest part was like after that first Super Bowl, I had never played until February. Mm-hmm or January. You know, I was, it was always end of December, done, no playoffs, no nothing. And it was so interesting to me, like, you talk about that first playoff game. And yeah, it was a little bit, you know, due to a a lot of other things. But like, it's just ironic that my hamstring would start to hurt, you know, into a month that I've never played football before. Mm -hmm. And so it was just it was a wake up call for me to kind of do a little bit more every single year because I knew that if I wanted to play into January and still feel good, like I couldn't, my, my body couldn't just shut down on me in January. (laughs) You know, like I need, I needed, and you know, luckily it was, you know, I was able to play until February for the next three years after that. And I felt great, you know, and you know, that was just one of those things that, I had to learn almost, you know, not the hard way, but I had to really put the time in like, all right, like, these are where, these are the things that are going to go on me first. And it's always like, if I ever, ah, this is tight. It's probably your adductor. How many times have we yeah. talked about the damn yep. adductor? Like, it's always yep. So, yep. And, um, but that, that was like, Mike always knew me, like Mike, at would call him and we ah, you know, my glute. This tight, you know, I, you know, I'm feeling, you know, it's grabbing. Are you doing your stretches? <laughs> Rolling out your adductor? Uh, no. <laughs> All right. Do a, go in, do a week of banded stretches and, and adductor work. And, you know, I remember, I
2: remember I when you
0: year... him back and tell him that he was right, but he was right. <laughs> I,
2: I remember one year it was bothering you for weeks. And you just refused to do a couple of stretches, and that it was—it might have been a week that you, you had to take off from like the San Francisco game because of like a concussion or some shit like that.
0: No, and, I blew up my back. I mean, yeah, that—that's like, it was your
2: back, and I said it's your glutes. Do the glute yeah. stretch, and you did the yeah. glute stretch, and it felt instantly better.
0: Yeah, yeah, blew up my my, my no, nah, my back went into complete spasm. It was mm-hmm. like. The, it was like two days before um, we played Monday night against the Seahawks. Played in that game, have no idea how, with a lot of help. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> and the following week, it was like, you know, I'm like literally peeled over, like walking like, you know, a 90-year-old man. Like I couldn't do anything. And uh, obviously I'm on the phone with Mike every single day trying to get this thing fixed. And I just wasn't, I wasn't doing it. I wasn't doing the stretches. I mean, that's, and it was just like one of those things. It was like, for me as you know, I'd feel good. And then I would stop doing it. You know, it's tedious shit. You know, you gotta stand, you gotta do it. And you can't just do it for 30 seconds. You know, I had to go in and and spend the time and doing it. If I did, I felt great. Remember. I did it. Shit would go bad.
2: (laughs) Remember way back when it was me, you and Sonoris training. And I mean, that was, that was almost a, a hopeful, but it was, it was like a hopeless winter where it was November, October, November, December, and we were in there training every single day. And Sonoris was just like the most positive person on fucking earth. Still is. Like, dude, <laughs> that, well. guy, that guy, that is the fucking man. And he'd always put on Maroon 5. right (laughs) bro i left there i left there saying there are two types of people those who love maroon 5 and liars like they (laughs) like they he made me he made me fucking love maroon 5 he played that shit so much but i mean you guys would be in there all fucking day long in the morning right from like six six or seven a.m until joe's group came in at like I don't know, 11, 12 o'clock, and then we'd be rolling out of there. Yeah, You guys are just, and it was every, for months. For people, I, I don't think you did a good job, a good enough job explaining how exhausting it was your first two years because year one, you waited the entire fucking year, essentially. You, yeah. you trained an entire fucking NFL season yep. without a team, and then you got a call In like week 15 to go down to the fucking. Yep. And then you get cut and we're there for a week. And then you trained an entire season again. And what week 10
0: or week 11, Uh, you got uh, a call from the bills. Yeah. It was something like that. It was like in November or something. It was right before Thanksgiving. I remember that. Yeah. (laughs)
2: Yeah. Like you trained essentially two fucking years with a couple of sniffs and with no guarantee. I was coaching lacrosse
0: on the side, I That and go coach lacrosse. I mean, it was, but like, uh, you know, I just, I had that. It was, I had to prove everybody wrong. I couldn't, like, I couldn't give up on what I was doing to, like, ah, uh, you, you know, you, you made it. Or I remember people saying, like, uh, you know, you, you'll never be anything but play special teams. Okay. All right. Let's see. And that was just like the 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 passion the passion and the fire that I had to want to succeed in the NFL is unmatched to anything that I've really ever tried to accomplish athletically in my life.
1: But was it really about proving other people wrong because if that's the case, why do you still have that chip now when you've won? the super bowl you've got the story i don't think it's got to do with other people it's just the i don't know i think that is.
0: i think the chip is um is just me as an athlete i think yeah. i've always just had that in me where um i never felt like people really expected me to be that guy or like go you know do be successful in college or you know, pick up a lacrosse stick, you know, my freshman year of high school, and then go play varsity. Mm. Like, these are the things that just like, I just, I always felt like people expected me to fail. Mm. And maybe that's, maybe that's a part of me that's fundamentally wrong. But um, the amount of the amount of people that I knew, And I I don't say this very, I mean, and this is probably wrong. I I had so many people on my corner that wanted me to succeed. Mm -hmm. And that was a lot attributed to how, why I kept going, right? My parents always believed in what I was doing. My girlfriend, my fiance, and now my wife at the time, you know, she might have questioned it and be like, what are you like? What's the plan here? But like, she never, it was never like, all right, maybe you should give this up. And then every single one of my friends, you know, that were, that had been my friends since high school or growing up or whatever it is, they always, they, they were always there. They always believed in what I was doing. And so a part of me wanted to do it. A, probably a big part of me wanted to get there so that to prove them right. But I knew that there were so many people out there that were like, you know, and listen, you, there's there's haters in the world, whatever you're going to do in life. I mean, you guys are in a business that's just full of, oh, what is this guy doing? Why is he doing that? Like, why are you <laughs> training this way? And, you know, there's, one, there's more than one way to skin a cat. And for me, it was just about, like, I just I wanted to prove everybody wrong. And I wanted to get to the NFL, but I – for me, it was more about making a practice squad or playing special teams. Like, dude, I wanted to play on Sundays. I wanted to, I wanted to score. You know, I wanted to be a part of a team and 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 be a, a contributing factor to why we won football games. And that was like what I wanted to do. And I wanted to just the the NFL is, you know, it's. It's a tough league to play in. You know, it's it's average careers are less than 3. I played 10 for a kid that never even I played cornerback in college. And all I ever wanted all I ever wanted to do was just continue to prove people wrong and that I could do this. And 10 years into it and I still feel that way. <laughs> No matter what I've done, you know, and, and I've, I have a playoff record in, in New England. Like, but it was always for me, it was always about like, you know, I just I just wanted to do more. And, uh, you know, that's that was just my mentality.
1: Well, it's been a rewarding process for you, obviously, because it's helped you to just keep pushing it a bit more and a bit more. And with the exposure time, I mean, 10 years in the NFL and also – you can call it luck, going to the Patriots and stuff like that. Yeah. And yeah, you know, you've just been rewarded for this process over and over again throughout your life. And I'm sure it was even present when you were in in high school and stuff like that too. So one thing I, I always wanted to ask you, I mean, you know, you you are a guy that thinks that you can you can do anything and you know you can be better than someone else. I mean, I remember when we were kicking a rugby ball around once. And you were like fucking give me this thing i'll show you how it's done you know <laughs> and, and you actually did. yeah and you hit it cherry first one i remember you fucking it, like sent it flying it was a drop and kick there, right no it was a spiral the first time he was like he was like he was like what are you doing and i said if you put the ball on the side a bit and you hit it with your laces there it will it will spin in a spiral and i mean he hit it first time just cherry and um but my point is were you ever nervous before games? Always. How was that? How was your mental state? Like, let's say you're waking up on game day. What's going on in your head?
0: So I, I had a lot of like, you know, when I was younger, when I was much younger, like in high school, I was the kid that wore the same socks ate the same things, listened to the same music in the same, you know, in the same, you know, timing and, you know, got to the facility at the same time. Like, and I kind of drove myself mad with that sort of stuff. And I, and I tried to eliminate those things from my game because it just, it would stress me out more about are my socks in my bag, you know, like that would, so that, that part of it, I started to get rid of. Before games in the NFL, I mean, I was always nervous. I mean, I think, you know, you're going to play in front of 80, 90,000 people. I think there's something wrong with you if you're not nervous. Mm. I mean, that's just the way that I looked at it. But I wouldn't ever confuse nervous with excitement. Any single time that I ran out of a tunnel, it was like I probably had the biggest smile on my face because, like, I get to play on a Sunday. Yeah. And I put a lot of time into watching film, studying, knowing because there were times and there definitely were games that I didn't put in the time or didn't put in enough time. And I wouldn't feel that way going into a game. I'd be more nervous going into a football game if I didn't feel prepared. Mm-hmm. So like preparation was such a big part of me, a part of my game. Like watching film, watching who I'm playing, watching the DB that I'm going to be going against. Like you know, knowing the you know the game plan as well as I possibly could, because I was always one of those guys that could get plugged into anywhere. Because that's how I stayed in the league. Right. You know, I wasn't just a one trick pony. I didn't just know this position. Like no no no, Chris knows X Y and Z. You know, he can go and play anywhere like if you need him to. And I always, always made sure that I was that guy um, because, you know, I wasn't a first-round draft pick. I needed to be able to do that. I needed to be able to play special teams. And I would – I'd get to the facility before games. I'd get there four hours before the game. And, you know, a – Big part of my process was just I never would wake up super nervous. I would never go to bed, like, losing sleep. Maybe before the night of the Super Bowl, I probably didn't sleep, you know, the first one. But it was really that that leading up until game time. You know, then I started, like, you know, once I once I put started putting my cleats on and, and went out there to start warming up, like, that's when you know, it started to, it started to start that, that process, like, all right. And in my mind, it was more like, okay, you belong here. You can do this, like, but you need to go out and prove it every single Sunday. And I think that was probably one of the biggest things that, that helped me throughout my career. I never went out there feeling comfortable. I was always uncomfortable. I was always like, you don't like, they don't think you belong here, so you go, you're going to have to go out there and prove it. And mm-hmm. that's how I
1: approached it, every single game. And then, what about when the game started? Was you in flow straight away? Were you no? Nah. Were, were you still in your head until I got smacked in the head for the you know for the first play, and then it was good. Right. <laughs> then you're in, yeah. yeah.
0: Once you know, like I always was on special teams, <clears throat> and I actually I really enjoyed it, you know, because. I'd have so much going through me, you know, leading up until the first kickoff you know, excited, emotional, you know, Mm. nervous, whatever it was. And I always started the game on the field, whether it was kickoff return or kickoff. And I just would try to hit somebody. (laughs) And once I got that out of me, I got into the flow (laughs) and then it was good. Then I was like, okay. Now it's time, to, you know. Now it's time to play, and you know I was never one of those players that would like take plays off. I was that nagging receiver that would follow you over the field, trying to block you, regardless if the play was like thirty yards away. People hated playing against me, but like that's just the way that I had to play to stay in, like in in the flow of the game, and um, that's that's what I did for you know my you know my whole career, and that's where really what. I think was another huge part of why I was able to stick around just the, the, the way that I played the game, you know, I wouldn't say it was necessarily fearless, but I just, every, you know, it was a hundred percent, no matter what it was, right. you know, and like just, you know, Mike talked about this, you know, I'd run 10 yard sprints and it would be balls to the wall, no matter what, like, all right, 70%. All right, I'm gonna go 100. Like (laughs) I need to. Yeah, yeah. And like, that's how I would run routes. And and uh, you know, a lot of guys would always tell me early on in my career, like, you know, you were tough to cover because you just went so hard every single play. Like, no one knew if it, you know, if I I'd come off the the ball like as fast as I could, if even if it was a run play. Like, I just felt like this is what I had to do for people just to try to, A, respect my speed and that I could actually run past them if I needed to. And, you know, B, that I wasn't just going to go out there and, and let them, you know, have a free play, you know? And that's kind of how I, I approached every single game or every play. What was the most
2: nerve-wracking moment in your career? I think I know it, but I want to hear what you say.
0: Um. Well, I'll tell you the first one, <laughs> and, and, and and I laugh and and I've I've told this story to a couple of people, but honestly, I was in San Francisco. It was it was preseason. We were playing. We were in you know playing the Chargers. And it was like my first opportunity to play. I ran out the field. I, I was like giddy. Like, I was like, this is my first opportunity. There's, you know, 15,000 people in the stands. It's freaking preseason. No one gives, you know, no one gives a damn about the preseason. And they called a the play. And I was like, oh, I, I might get the ball. <laughs> right. They called, they called it, threw it to me, zero yards. Caught <laughs> <laughs> it, zero yards. I've never been happier in my life. (laughs) Of course, like I ran off the field, and the head coach is like, "Do something!" I'm like, "I'm like, I'm I'm playing, I'm playing." Like, (laughs) (laughs) um, you know, and then you know, I think you know, leading up that that first that first Super Bowl, I I was. I was, I had never, I didn't, I had no idea what to expect, you know? And uh, there was just such high expectations when you play in New England. And, you know, the fact that we had gotten to that Super Bowl, man, it was like, I needed a few plays of trying to hit somebody in the head to, you know, like, all right, you're here, you know, you belong here now it's time to go prove it on a worldly scale and like that whole week was I was just like on a different planet you know it was like you know you're dealing with media and this and family and whatnot and honestly all I wanted to do was sit in my room and watch film and just wait for the game like I was like I just wanted I wanted the game to come so fast because I was just so anxious about playing in that in that game because I had never been on that stage before. And, um, but man, was that like such a cool experience getting to play in that game. And the way we won was just, just, you know, uh, you know, indescribable. So.
1: Was that the best moment in your career? <clears throat> um,
0: yeah. I mean, I think so. I mean, the, the other, the other game, You know, that was probably one of the better games I've ever played was uh, the last year that I was there. We, you know, it was that year that everyone was like, you know, these guys are too old. They don't have enough people. Tom's too old. He stinks. Julian's too old. They stink. Hogan's terrible. He hasn't done anything all year. And uh, we went to Kansas City, played the AFC championship game there. It was the, the coldest game that I ever played in. And we beat them in Kansas City and won the AFC Championship game in overtime. I was like that was hands down one of the better football games I've ever played in. And to be a part of that, it was kind of like my whole career as a whole, like trying to prove people wrong. And that's like the mentality that we had the whole year. Like, you know, we had a decent year, but it wasn't it wasn't the New England Patriots what you know, it wasn't like what they've done in the past. You know, we lost five games. You know, we were, you know, every game that we played was four quarters. Like, we never blew anybody out. We weren't, we didn't have, like, this, It you know, this wow factor of, you know, players on the team. But we had, that team was very unique. It was extremely unique in that all those players, and Devin McCordy included, first-round draft pick, but he had, you know, everyone on that defense believing that, you know, we have to go out and prove people wrong every single week. And we just had that mentality, man. I mean, we, we played so well together as a team. And that's so unique to find in the NFL these days that, like, people mesh together like that. And that was one of the cooler things that we had in New England is that everyone on that team just wanted to win, no matter what. No matter what they had to do
1: was that just by circumstances that you gelled or did they do certain things to try to bring you guys together?
0: I think it was just the the caliber of athlete that they brought in. You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, you guys talked to Devin, you guys know what type of person he is. What a guy. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. You know, and, you know, they brought in guys like Devin, you know, they got, they, they weren't, there was no me guys on that team, not one. And I think, that was one of the reasons why we meshed so well together, because it was like, you know, everyone talks about do your job and all this, you know, what you know, the patriot way, but like that's a real thing. Like everyone just wanted to play football, like we just wanted to win football games, and that was that was a um, a pretty cool thing to be a part of. Which, and I played on teams before, and it wasn't like that. You know, there are a lot of I want to go out and get mine. Yeah, you know, which is okay. I mean, listen, this is the NFL, man. You got to make money. I get that. But like in the same in the same fashion like you want to win I wanted to win a Super Bowl. <laughs> like how many chances is like how many people get a chance to say like, "Oh, how many Super Bowls you've been to?" I've been to 3. <laughs> <laughs> 3 in 3 years and won two of them and played in all of them. And like that's cool. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> i'll hang my head on that one i you know I, I i think i did something there but the rest of my career <laughs>
2: <laughs> so one last thing and then what was the game that you think i was
0: most uh, nervous for
2: so the, the super bowl without a doubt but the one moment was the last fucking play of the game when or, or the last score that you guys had when, when it went to Edelman and you I, I know for a fact you're sitting there on the fucking line like holy fucking shit if oh, this dude. ball goes to me, if this ball fucking goes to me.
0: <laughs> well no, you know what? You know the, the most nerve wracking moment of my career <laughs> was how we won that game. Right? It wasn't to jewels, it was it was a run play and i had to come back and i had to crack at the end, who was and i've been doing it all year but i was like if i miss this guy <laughs> we're not scoring like i'm going to be the reason why we lose the super bowl <laughs> like, we call this play and i'm like dude this is it we're going to win the football game but if i miss him like my career, it's over i'm done I've never <laughs> <played more. laughs> So, like, I remember we go through, you know. I mean, I hit him, but like, I didn't get a full piece of him. And I'm just watching the play unfold. And, and I saw him, oh man, that was, it was Amendola. Amendola, right? Not Edelman, Adam Amendola. No, it was uh, James White. But like, there was another play that Danny caught, and another, it was another one of those, like, oh, I gotta get this block or we're not gonna score. <laughs> and uh, you know. Lot, there was a lot of nerve-wracking moments in that game. <laughs> Took a lot of years off my life. All right,
1: let's. Brooke, let's you got it. anything let's, else? No, nah, I want to sit here and bullshit for ages, but <laughs> let's cut it off and then uh, and then yeah. All right, hold on.